Welcome to Citizen Science, stories of science we can do together, a podcast brought to you by SciStarter, recorded live in SciStarter's virtual world headquarters. In this thrilling episode, if you think libraries are boring, then you're more out of touch than a 17-year cicada grub. Caroline Nickerson and I reveal the wild side of libraries and how they'll be taking center stage for Citizen Science Month in April, demonstrating projects where you fight vascular disease, unmask light pollution, and protect coral reefs. Hey, Bob. Hey, Caroline. So we're looking at the exciting nexus of libraries in citizen science? That's right. Everyone knows that libraries have books, music, videos, but now libraries are also where you get resources and tools to conduct your own scientific investigations, as well as attend programs to learn about all sorts of different topics, including citizen science. Yeah, it's really amazing that library where I grew up was like a little one, maybe two-room building that was built with the proceeds from a spelling bee contest and had like a sculpture of a bee on the roof, which was really cool. But um, sort of in the 90s, it was just like fighting for relevance because of the internet, right? I mean, the internet was going to have more books than the great library of Alexandria. And so everyone's saying, you know, the brick and mortar libraries are going to vanish. But that didn't happen at all. Right. And as time goes on, libraries have expanded their role and been trailblazers in technology, leveraging their status as trusted community leaders and hubs for local patrons. They're a safe space for everyone to hang out and learn something new. In fact, I saw this firsthand when I visited Gilbert, Arizona. That's where Robin Salthouse used to work. And I have to say, this library is probably the coolest place I've ever been to. It's a... really a place where patrons come together. Uh, I saw people from all different walks of life. I saw people just having fun, learning something new. And a big part of that was Robin. She, ever since she retired from um, Southeast Regional Library in Gilbert, Arizona, she's been an advisor for the SciStarter team, uh, helping us uh, engage new libraries, community-based organizations, run kit programs, and so much more. But I'll let Robin tell you a little bit about herself. And happily, she's our first guest. Hey, Robin, you there? Could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Robin Salthouse. Um, I'm a retired public librarian, now acting as an advisor for SciStarter and Arizona State University for citizen science projects. I'm coming to you from Kingston, Washington. Hi, Robin. Thanks for joining us. Caroline and I were just chatting about how much libraries have changed in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you haven't been to your local library recently, you're missing a lot. And even during the pandemic, so many libraries are doing virtual programming. So if you have a computer, you have the internet, you can actually be involved in um, streaming programs. Caroline can certainly talk to all the work she's done with that and supporting libraries. Or what's even neat if you work or you're not available during these streaming programs, you can even usually catch them on YouTube. So yeah, libraries can provide everything from sporting equipment to story times for families to, as you we've been talking about, citizen science tools and projects. And Robin's so good at summarizing all this, but there are kind of two branching pathways for libraries to get involved with SciStarter. And Robin's, she's just such an important integral part 
of both of these paths. So the first one, you know, is the IMLS, the Institute of Museum and Library Services kit program, which Robin got started with as a librarian herself in Gilbert, you know, receiving the kits and checking them out. Um, and now is an advisor for it's scaling nationally for libraries to participate in SciStarters and ASU's Citizen Science Kit program. And then there's also SitSci Month in April, especially, but leading up to April, through April, and all year round, really. Um, programs we do online with libraries, and Robin has just become such an important part of that, of moving those events along, um, helping librarians and library staff members, and even people from community-based organizations ask questions in these events and really have dialogues with um, project scientists and other folks in the citizen science world. Um, so Robin, could you speak to those two programs, the IMLS kit program and the SITSI month program? Um, certainly. The IMLS KIT program is now in a phase, it's the third phase actually, where we're working to scale this um, program out nationally. And we really are looking for libraries who want to bring kits and citizen science into their libraries. So we will soon be asking libraries to join it and they'll be part of an evaluation program where we'll um, be looking at our existing kits, possibly expanding into another kit and getting feedback from these libraries. We're also working with more and more community-based organizations. So whether it's something like an astronomy club, a gardening club, Girl Scouts, People who are looking to contribute to real research, we need their help as well to promote this and hopefully um, in projects that are meaningful to their community. So um, that's the IMLS project real briefly. And then um, Citizen Science Month is April. And it's gone from a day to a month of activities. And so, again, we're working with uh, community-based organizations, libraries to provide these events. And um, Caroline has office hours every week on Thursday mornings where um, people can stop in at 11 a.m. and 8 a.m. Eastern Time to get um, ideas and um check on um, ideas they may have for their Citizen Science Month or just find out how to get involved in all of this. So um, it's, it's just a great way to get your community involved, to highlight a project, or just start the whole uh, idea of what is citizen science so people can get started. Wow. Okay, so if there are libraries among our podcast listeners or library staff, you know, or just people who want to find out what sorts of citizen science opportunities there are at their local library, how do they learn more? Well, there's a great website, SciStarter.org, and um, there's a link. I've you, heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really great. And so there's all sorts of resources there. So if you then go forward slash library or uh -huh. library hyphen resources, there's a link to show you um, which libraries have that um, have those kits. And there's even an email you can um, put questions in. So if you can't find your library, you could always ask SciStarter to help you find one or locate one um, or maybe get your library involved and we'll help them get all set up. 
Thank you so much, Robin. And thank you again for all of your help with the IMLS program and everything else that you do. I can't even cover every single thing you help with and the knowledge that you've given us. Sure. Um, it was great to have, have uh, this invitation. I really appreciate it. Our next Citizen Science Month hero is Don Ficken. He runs a library telescope program based in the St. Louis area that lets people borrow telescopes and other materials from their local library. Right, and Don is also the chair of the Missouri chapter of the International Dark Sky Association, a group dedicated to monitoring and reducing light pollution. He's very active in Citizen Science Month, working in tandem with library groups to introduce people to astronomy. And we've got Don Ficken here with us at SciStarter's Virtual World Headquarters. Hey, Don, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, I, uh, I'm in St. Louis, and I really had a couple roles. One is I'm, uh, I manage the library telescope program for the St. Louis area. We have about 40 libraries, over 90 branches, and that extends to some rural areas of the state of Missouri and, and Illinois, actually. And so I've been doing a lot to try to promote that program. Uh, obviously, you can go out and look at the stars. You can check out a telescope just like a book. But, you know, there are times when you want to do other things other than that. And also, frankly, I have another role that's uh, really interesting. It's a am president of the International Dark Sky Association for the state of Missouri. And, of course, when you think about light pollution in skies, you think about stars. But there's a lot more about light pollution includes life on Earth. And so... One of the things that I was able to do is get involved in citizen science because I like to bring all this together. In other words, you can do star stuff, but you can also do stuff in the daytime. Like you can go out and look at biodiversity. You can look at sunflowers and bees and birds and all that. And all life is affected in some way by light, natural or man-made. And so what we've been trying to do uh, in both organizations is really um, put together a way to leverage our tools as best as possible. That is so cool. And um, why do you think it's important for libraries to do citizen science? Well, I think one of the reasons that uh, we found, even with the telescope program, is that um, you know the old library was kind of like, I'm only books. And this makes it more of a community library. It brings people in and engages them. And frankly, uh, I think schools should take more advantage. Rather than every school buy their tools, why wouldn't they just go to the library and check them out? I mean, if you've got multiple schools, that's just like wasting money. Uh, plus, the libraries connect pretty good with resources like myself and others that are really good at explaining things. That's just another way to deliver programs. I think libraries really need to do this kind of thing, just like they're doing Internet, computers, things like that to bring folks in. And it makes it more of a living library. Uh, the St. Louis libraries, many of them are really almost going almost too far. They do guitars, tools, everything you can think of for checkout. And citizen science is such a great way to promote science. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I think the biggest thing that I found is that there's sometimes an intimidation to get involved with these tools and things. Just try it. You know what? These things are built for public checkout. Just give it a shot. And you know what? I think you're going to have a lot of fun. You might have fun taking pictures of bees or maybe uh, night sky of the moon. I've had literally uh, people jump up and down, clap their hands. They're so excited because they took a picture of the moon in a matter of a few minutes. Just try it. Uh, that's what these things are made for. And I think you're going to have fun. And guess what? You're going to learn something out of it, too. And that's even, that's even cooler. Great. Thank you so much, Don. Our next Citizen Science Month hero librarian is Alinda Smithy in the city of Jackson, Missouri, just a couple hours south of St. Louis. 
Yes, and Alinda is doing amazing things with the Riverside Regional Library, where she works, and other libraries in neighboring communities. She has citizen science kits and programming about all sorts of projects, and she works with Dawn, too, on her astronomy-related efforts. Great. Hi, Alinda. Could you introduce yourself? My name is Alinda Smithy, and I'm the Children's and uh, Youth Services Librarian with Riverside Regional Library here in Jackson, Missouri. Alinda, I know your libraries and local groups have participated in the Adopt a Street program with the Globe at Night project. So Globe at Night is an ongoing citizen science project where anyone anywhere in the world can map light pollution in their community by reporting what they see and even using special tools like a light um, sky quality meter if they have access to it. But Linda took it to the next level. She organized her patrons to systematically map their community to get a real handle on what light pollution is, isn't, basically what's going on on the ground um, in the Jackson, Missouri area. Uh, so I'm really in awe of... Um, what Alinda's done, and it all started from a summer reading program connection where SciStarter, the network of the National Library of Medicine, organized a program where we hosted Dr. Connie Walker, the leader of the Globe at Night Project. Um, Alinda was in direct conversation with her. She was the, the Q&A person for this event um, and a really wonderful MC. And then after that, that's when Alinda embarked on Globe at Night's Adopt-A-Street. It's even received local media coverage, so I'll let Alinda tell you a little bit more about it. Okay, so Riverside did the Adopt-A-Street program. Um, it went really well. Uh, we had a lot of interest in it. Um, I think overall we had about two to five streets that were overall adopted through that process. Um, we had a, when I say we had a lot of interest, uh, we had about, about 50 patrons that had signed up to receive more information about it. And, uh, and I know it got checked out a lot, but um, I think, uh, some of the stuff that we want to do with the, the next adopt a street is really reach out to the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts to let them know that we have that, um, information, that technology here that they can do that as a project. Um, so that's kind of where we went with it. So Alinda, why do you think it's important for libraries to have citizen science programs? Uh, I think the uh, main reason to have citizen science is for kids. I think it's for kids to explore while they're young and have that, just have an opportunity uh, to get their hands on something like this. Because I know when I, back when I was little, I, this didn't exist. I mean, if you were to look at a telescope, it was like, oh my, you know, because stuff costs money and this and that. But now the libraries, they have it kind of at your fingertips to where, uh, you know, parents don't have to go out and buy a telescope. You know, they can discover it through the library. And um, our library is doing a lot more hands-on, like, kits and stuff that you can take home and check out um, and explore. I mean, we have, um, like, even um, microscopes and stuff like that that you can take. Uh, so I think it's very important for us to celebrate Citizen Science Month and that uh, to really engage kids and even adults that never got the chance or, you know, they've never had the opportunity before to explore this stuff as well. So I think it's really important to thrive on that. Citizen science is such a great fit for all ages. Anyone, anywhere of any age can turn their curiosity into impact. Thank you so much, Alinda. 
Okay, we know what's up next. Uh, Bob, you can just say, here's Caroline with the news. You don't really have and to And now, live from Starter World Headquarters, it's time for the news with Caroline Nickerson. Oh, uh, well. Man, I just love doing that. Wait, what were you saying? Thank you, Bob. So you've been hearing about Citizen Science Month during this episode and its relevance for libraries. But Citizen Science Month is global. Libraries are an integral part of it, but there are all sorts of different people from all around the world who are planning really meaningful programs and engagement opportunities for their communities during April. I just wanted to give you a sample of what's available, and you can find all of these events that I'm telling you about at scistarter.org forward slash calendar. On April 3rd, I really want to highlight this one, Citizen Science Kids Day. This is organized by SciStarter. It has um, guests from National Geographic, um, National Geographic's Weird But True show, which is on Disney+, Plus, PBS's SciCurls, and it's all moder- moderated by the Time for Kids Kid Reporters. So this is an event that's really for kids, by kids, all about citizen science. So you definitely want to come for that. There are library events um, that focus on different projects, and the beauty of the virtual world is even if the library is, for example, in Manhattan um, or in Missouri or wherever the library happens to be, you could still attend their virtual event and learn about a global citizen science project. Um, On April 6th, um, a Muslim faith community is uh, doing a webinar about community building. April 7th, there's a webinar from Public Editor, which is a project that um, really focuses on helping people um, analyze the news. And I could just keep on going on and on and on. Our friends at All of Us, the All of Us California team, are doing six different webinars during April about precision medicine, which is medicine that's really tailored uh, to the individual. It's not, it's really an end to one size fits all medicine. Crowdwater, remember them from the virtual travel episode? They have two webinars. Uh, We also have an event with Astronomy Magazine during the month about ways that you can meaningfully be a part of astronomy research. And I could be here all day. There are hundreds of events on the calendar, but explore them for yourself. Go to uh, scistarter.org forward slash calendar to dive in and get started. I'll see you during April. Wow, it sounds like you're going to be pretty busy. And so is our next guest. Vivian Bird is here with us from the Los Angeles Public Library, and she and they will be very active in Citizen Science Month. Thank you so much for being with us, Vivian. No, I know rather than Citizen Science, you run programs under the title Neighborhood Science. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, we call our program Neighborhood Science. It's really just another name for citizen science or community science. Um, we we want to give our program a little bit more of the uh, focusing on the community engagement. And then we wanted people to, to contribute more to their own neighborhoods and put more awareness in their own neighborhoods. So we decided to use the word neighborhood. Um, we moved away from the word citizen because our city is pretty diverse and we don't want people to have um, mis- misunderstanding that it's only mm-hmm. if you're a legal citizens in the United States, then you can participate in the program. So that is why we didn't use citizen science. And what sorts of activities do you do? Um, we started it with a, a, a small grant from um, the state California, uh, yeah, from the California State Library. And that helped us to uh, basically kickstart off our, our program. And we started with uh, a, an organization called GLOBE. Uh, it's Global Learning and Observation to Benefit the mm-hmm. Environment. And um, so they are basically teaching our 
our librarians and then we can teach our residents on how to do science, um, basically contribute to um, the research, you know, by collecting data for the scientists and researchers so we can contribute to their research that eventually they will be able to use this information to basically improve their own community as well. So that was the idea that we were thinking. Mm-hmm. And then what sorts of things do they do? Are they, um, what sort of data or science are they doing? Um, we, they do uh, water quality. They do, um, we do some water quality monitoring. We got introduced to do light pollution um, monitoring. We did um, clouds observations. We did, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, mosquito habitat mapping. And oh, wow. um, our latest one is the air quality sensing. So that one is a, a partnership with um, EPA. And so we are hoping to be able to become a site that people can come and check out these low quality, air, uh, low, not low quality, but low cost air quality sensors that, you know, they can use it at home, not low quality. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, they can use it at home to monitor the air quality around their neighborhood. Um, that has been a pretty um, significant issue in the city of LA. So I think that's, that's what we're pushing it uh, a lot. Wow. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. It's all happening at the library. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so pretty soon we're coming up on Citizen Science Month in April. And you and your library have been participating in these for years, right? So what's it been like? And and what do you have planned for this time? I think last year was the first year they have the Citizen Science Month. And we have our librarians to really push all the programs online. And we did a lot of different type of um, Citizen Science project with our virtual audiences. Um, we did also mosquito habitat mapping. We did. Oh, we also did uh, one of the NASA's project, the um, the Nemo Knit. You can actually participate in classifying coral reefs for scientists. Oh. So that was something that got them very, very interested. Um, so we we've done several different type of um, project, and pretty much all ha- are pretty well well attend. So we were really happy. <laughs> wow! And how about this year? So I'm trying for the very first time um, coordinating um, a weekly, what we call the Neighborhood Science Tuesdays program series. So we're inviting through SciStarter, we were able to invite the speakers um, who are actually the project leads or project developers of several um, citizen science projects, such as I See Change, iNaturalist, mm-hmm. uh, Marine Debris Tracker. Uh, what was the other one? Globe at Night. Yeah, oh, okay. there's so many of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we have total of 13 programs coming up. Wow. Thanks for being so committed and doing so much. It's amazing. My final question, Vivian, what would you tell the Vivians of the past if you had the chance to talk to them? Um, I only wish I knew about citizen science earlier because, you know, I think if we had t- taken the step to promote this sooner, I think we would have changed the, the condition of our planet much sooner than it is today. You know, it would have be it wouldn't be this bad. That's the way I see it. So for anyone who's interested in thinking or even thinking about, you know, tapping into citizen science, my word for you is don't think about it. Just do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. This You're welcome. really great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Vivian, for all that you do. Well, that about wraps it up for another Citizen Science podcast. We hope to see all of your virtual smiling faces at Citizen Science Month in April. 
this is kind of like the Super Bowl for us. Um, we do things year-round. Anyone can come to SciStarter any time of year and find something to do with citizen science, but we kind of crank it up a notch during April, and we're going at the fastest possible pace to introduce you to as much citizen science as possible. Thanks, Caroline. I'll see you there. This podcast is brought to you each month by SciStarter, where you'll find thousands of citizen science projects, events, and tools that you can get started with to turn your curiosity about the world into real impact. It's all at SciStarter.org. That's S-C-I-S-T-A-R-T-E-R, like you're starting the science, dot org. SciStarter is supported by a number of generous partners and collaborators from all around the world. SciStarter's founder is Darlene Cavalier. And thank you so much to you, the listener and the citizen scientist, for getting involved and making a difference. If you have any ideas that you want to share with us or any things that you want to hear on this podcast, get in touch with us at info at Once again, our email address is info at Thanks again, Bob, and I'll see you next month.